that had been away Haven't changed, had much to say But man, I still think them cats are crazy They were asking if you were around How you was, where you could be found I told them you were living downtown Driving all the old men crazy everyone welcome back to the full press nhl podcast i'm your host jim berenger the voice of full press hockey joined alongside mr russ cohen you can get him sportsology.com locked on flyers check him out sirius xm nhl network radio and nhl draft buzz as long as well as on full press hockey as well did a great job with the world juniors this year looking at players uh russ welcome back to the show first off uh what'd you think of the tournament this year yeah thanks jim uh yeah it was fun I, I hope I gave people what they were looking for on full press. I, I wanted to highlight a lot of the different players. I thought there was a lot of great players, uh, some really good drafted players. I thought the U.S. did carry out their mission, and um, David Carl did what he said he was going to do. Uh, not always easy to do. Uh, I think there were a few moments where maybe we were wondering, could the defense, a, short, a smaller defense, hold up? And they did. So that was the only real question of the team, I felt. Otherwise, it was the most talented team I had ever seen top to bottom. Now, again, sure, there were teams in the past that had mega superstars on it that uh, maybe are better than anybody that's on this team. But as a collective group here, this was super talented. Yeah, I mean, from start to finish, Team USA looked like the best team. I, again, you know, you look at the Czechia game, that, that goes to a shootout. Their defense, yeah. they, they were a little sloppy in that game. But again, off a of back-to-back. But – Going down to nothing to Finland, that was real adversity that this team had to go through. And they, Trey Augustine shut the door for this team. He did, but Fowler shut the door on the shootout. Like they both yeah. did. And, you know, so like when I did that goalie ranking and I ranked both U.S. goalies in the top five, that was why. Because they, they were the only team that could go to either goalie and win the tournament. And I think we saw that. And they would win in different ways because Fowler is different than Augustine. But Augustine's improved a lot over the last year. I wasn't as high on him in his draft year as I am now. I've seen a lot of improvement. Uh, so, yeah, good for him. I mean, I talked to him about it in camp. His up-and-down speed is better. His post-to-post speed is better. He's got a little more muscle on him. He's got a little more experience. Do I think he's better than Fowler long-term? No, I still don't. But I think for this tournament, yeah, you know, they didn't make the wrong choice. No, they didn't make the wrong choice. And Fowler, I guess Augustine was sick uh, for that check kick game because they were supposed to play back-to-back. But Fowler looked really good in that game. He really did. I was really impressed. He made some massive saves. Yeah, he did, especially in the shootout over time. We we talk about goaltending. We'll get to Team team USA in a minute. But what do you think about the decision by Slovakia not to go for it all? at at the end of Group B and try to get the top spot? You know, I know there were reports out there that – Adam Gayon was not feeling well, but still, I mean, that's a big game for Slovakia looking back on it now. Yeah, I have a feeling the report was true about Gayon because he's a gamer and I think he worked his way in the lineup. So I'm going to say I believe that that was the issue and not that they were kind of like, you know, not trying, you know, sitting back, whatever, not 
putting out their best team. I, I don't think they did that personally. Yeah, me either. But again, it's still it was still shocking to, to see to see in such a big game, knowing seeding is so important. And now that we saw, I mean, you could say, oh, well, hindsight's twenty twenty. But I think everybody was saying it's like you don't want to play a team like Finland or Canada in the crossover quarters. Right. Well, you know, Finland, I give a lot of credit to because they were on the ropes there, man. They they were heading <laughs> down a bad highway and they really, really regrouped. So I give a lot of credit to their coaching staff. Uh, you know, I think draft eligible Consta Hellenius started really showing himself. Uh, I was a Hamanaho guy. You know, I wrote about him a lot last in his draft year. Uh, same with Halchin and the, the Sharks guy. Those guys, you know, started to come through for them. And actually, Coco, I said, was a good goalie. Maybe he, you know, would have been sixth on my list. I like him. He just wasn't as good as the other ones that I had, you know, ranked. But he's a good goalie. Well, Czechia impressed in that uh, that bronze medal game. You truly never game is over until it's over, and you saw that. I mean, down 5-2, they, they score shorthanded late, and then it's steamroll city in the third period. Very unlike Finland. Yeah, it happens, though. I mean, Czechia really, um, like you said, they just, you know, they had it. They had that everything going for them. Do you think uh, Yuri Koya – Kula could have gotten the MVP considering he was tied with most points. Well, I'm going to stick to my article and say it was Gauthier or, or Lekaramaki, yeah. and since it was Lekaramaki, no. Yeah. Yes, no, of course he could have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he was that good, and, and he had the points. Uh, I think I think the Lekaramaki choice ended up being the right one because he did score some very big goals. You know, look, if, if Gauthier had scored maybe like two points in that last game, he probably would have won it. So – any of those three would have been a good choice, honestly, for me. Yeah, in the gold medal game, Team USA really showed resiliency because, you know, you think about it, you, we saw what happened in, in earlier in the morning with, with um, Czechia and Finland. A late goal in a period could turn things around. But Team USA did not let Sweden tie this game, and they played. They were on that hunt, and you wrote it from the beginning on full press hockey. That BC line just took over this tournament. Yeah, but it took a while. They yeah. wanted, you know, the Nazar line was almost as good. I mean, and, and Goche's line was good. Like, they're all good. Yeah. But but no, it did eventually start to happen. And Will Smith, this is what Will Smith does. He, you know, you could start bitching, eh, I don't know. I don't know about Will Smith. I don't know. I'm not seeing enough about him. And he'll score these big goals. And that's what he does. He's really, he, he's he's that guy that's clutch. And so that's something where it's hard to put a, um, a denomination on that. So that's why when I was in this draft year, I, I was accounting for that because I had seen at least five or six, you know, NTDB games live and he did it in all of them, like in all of them. So I knew this guy is just going to come out of the woodwork like that. You know, like Panarin does that, you know, he does nothing all game. And then all of a sudden Panarin ends up with the game with two points and, and that team wins, whether it was Chicago or the Rangers. So same kind of thing. And, and so he's got that ability. And so, yeah, I just I, – I wasn't wasn't shocked at that. Yeah, I mean, you know, Isaac Howard played so well. Gavin Howard Brindley. is a real revelation because two years ago, free – you know, when the season just started at like the um, – at the Fall Classic, I thought Howard was one of the best players in that draft. And then I would say he dropped off a little bit, but the guy you saw there, and that's certainly not the guy that was playing at Michigan State, like – was more of the Howard um, great skating goal scorer than, you know, the all-around Isaac Howard. And and so if Tampa is all of a sudden going to get that guy and that guy starts showing up a lot, that guy can do a lot in a game. And that's 
that's what I saw early on. And then it kind of tailed off a little bit from that. And maybe it's just, you know, it just happened, but he got that back in this tournament. And that to me was a big deal. Yeah. And every line was so deep. Their defense played well. I mean, everybody, I mean, you can, you can say, Oh, Hudson, Seamus Casey. I I was really inf- impressed by Drew Forescu. Uh, th- yeah, their defense. He took a few bad penalties, but he played well. Um, look, that Chesley, that one goal he got, I think maybe his only goal was a big goal. Um, all these guys are capable of doing other things than what they're slotted to do by the coaching staff, you know? And and that's what made him so good. Hudson took a while to get going, though, you mm-hmm. know? He did, and, you know, the fighting thing was impressive. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you know. Yeah, he, 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 was, <laughs> he was really punching up, but he was really punching up in weight class at the end of that game. Yeah. Um, this team was definitely on a mission. Rucker McGroarty, I mean, the guy plays the villain. What a hit in the second period. Uh, clean hit, and beauty, and just the, the entire celebration, what this this meant for Team USA. I know they didn't want to talk about revenge, but revenge was on their mind from that U18 gold medal game. Yeah, there's no question um, that was a big deal. Like, they talked about it. Um, they talked about it all camp long. Like, that was just like, look. The younger guys here have won have won gold in the U18s. We didn't. We're after these guys. We're going after Sweden. We're gonna, you know, we're not taking no for an answer. And it was four or five of them, right? And they all had a big part in this. And that's not surprising. Uh, was I surprised what Ryan Leonard did to the crowd? No, because they had built up this thing in their minds that they were gonna go there, and Sweden and the fans were the enemy. And I get it. And so, like, it, they trolled him. I didn't think it was that big a deal. Obviously. Neither did I. I think it makes that's what makes the tournament fun. Right. You know, Augustine, too. He had it already. They had it already because they felt like this is what was going to happen. It was, I don't want to use the word destiny, like it was their destiny, but it kind yeah. of like was. And they, they were an important enough parts of the team, the guys that really wanted to do that, that. It really made a difference, I think, and it got them over the top. Out of the six gold medals that they've won, twenty years, they did it twenty years after the first one. Is this the best team, like top to bottom, that you could like rank them? Yeah, yeah, it's the best team, top to bottom, no question about it. And I've seen all their gold medals, uh, one in person, and so yeah, I, I would say this is, you know, this is the best. Speaking of the World Junior, speaking of a player, Cutter Gautier. Uh, gets traded from Philadelphia to Anaheim for Jamie Drysdale in a second round pick. Hell of a haul by Daniel Pierre and Keith Jones, by the way. Yeah, I think they got good value. I, I don't know if it's a haul yet. We're going to wait right. on that one because Gochi could be a top line center and being a 75 point guy. But what happened? Was there like a breakdown of communication somewhere? Was there yeah, just there was deep- a breakdown for sure. And look, there's always two sides to a story, right? But what is not uncommon here and i think it was treated like this there was this great indignity this happens in a lot of these college negotiations we see it we've heard about it we heard brendan shanahan stepping in you know not from a college negotiation standpoint but from just on an elc for austin matthews to make sure he got his bonuses then we started hearing things about this one these things all and, – and again, like I said, the Matthews thing was a little different. That was with his NHL. But we've seen it with Adam Fox. We've seen it with Jake Patterson, right? We've seen it. It's just – not Jake Patterson. Um, 
Flyers goalie. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Plus, we see him with J- Jimmy VC. Um, yes, with Jimmy VC. Um, you know, Adam Fox is the biggest one. You know, go back yeah. to the draft with Eric Lindros and so on. Guys don't want to play for certain organizations. But it's it's interesting that it just came out of nowhere and good on the Flyers for keeping it quiet because, you know, that's something that you want to keep internal. I'll Maybe you can. There was a Jake yeah. Peterson in like yeah, yeah. years ago draft and juniors. He never made it to the NHL with Cal Peterson. Cal Peterson. And his phantoms. You know, yeah, I think the Flyers were proactive about it. Um, I didn't – I don't think uh, what Goche is getting on the other end is fair uh, because this has happened a, a bunch of other times. Maybe it hasn't happened to Philly. Maybe it hasn't happened – to the Flyers, but it's happened to other teams. Other teams have had to make adjustments and trade these kinds of guys too. So this isn't an unusual situation, and it kind of was like made out to be bigger than what it was. And I feel bad because at the end of the day, we're talking about a a 19-year-old, going to be 20-year-old hockey player. And you become a college player, so you have these rights, so you can land in a spot that you're comfortable with, get the money that you're comfortable with, and these things didn't line up. So I said it ended up being like a no-fault kind of thing. But again, in the court of public opinion, you know, Gauthier's getting killed, and I don't think it's fair. I, I just don't. But whatever. It, it doesn't matter. Flyers made a good trade. Anaheim traded from a position of strength, too, because they've created so many – they've drafted so many good defensemen. Minchukov, you know, they, they're loaded. And so the fact that they're loaded, they can make this trade and – I'm not saying they're never going to miss a Jamie Drysdale, but they're not really going to miss him early on either because they still have Fowler. So, but what they did do now is create like two lines that are going to be scary in the future. And the Flyers filled a need. There's no question. There wasn't a number one defenseman in the organization. I don't think Drysdale's a number one either, though. That's that's the thing. So I think no matter what, you're still at best going to have two twos on that top pairing. But again, that's, you know, We'll see if he turns into a one, but I don't think he's a true one. I, I just don't. So was it a good trade? Yes. Um, they they got what they needed, but now they don't have a center. And Sean Couturier, we'll see how long he lasts because, again, getting a number one center is hard. They had two number ones in this pick, in this draft. They're not getting a, a, a full-blown top-line center because Max Ombrini is that guy. Anybody else, you're guessing. So they're not getting Celebrini. So now that is a hole in their organization that they're going to have to fill in the future. And it's nice to say, yeah, we're going to trade for that guy. But who the hell gets a, a number one center that's not like 30, 31, 32, 33, 34? Nobody. No. Nobody's giving that up. Nobody wants to give that up. Because right. they, they don't grow on trees or else everybody would have them. And you, you bring in dry- Anaheim jumped at it because Anaheim's like, all right, look. Even if he is a left winger, fine. He's a top-line left winger. Now we've got all these guys with, with versatility, and Verbeek talked about the versatility. But if he is a number one center, like, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. Yeah, it's, it's huge. And, and from the flyer side of things, you look at it and you say, okay, well, we bring in Drysdale. We're, we're still in a playoff position. We'll see what happens come the deadline, but maybe it makes it – an easier move to move like a Walker or a Sealer down. Well, now the road. they're definitely going to move Walker, but it shouldn't have been a hard move anyhow. Right. I mean, you've got to move guys for the future. I mean, again, 
I understand the team has overachieved, and that's fine. But I also – you have to take a whole cold, hard look at this and say there are six teams for three spots. That's the way I see it in, in the East. Otherwise, everything else I think is pretty much covered, right? So in the end, if you're six points out of the deadline, are you going to trade Walker and then try and trade – like a draft pick or two to stay in the playoff race too. Like, I don't think it's worth the worth doing that because the teams that are chasing you teams like the devils teams, you know, like the Islanders are just like tied with them or ahead of them teams like Pittsburgh. They're focused on making the playoffs and they don't care what they give up asset wise. Even the devils are at that point too, where I don't think they care what they give up asset wise. So based on all of that, that's a big mountain to climb to change your direction, too, of your rebuild just because you happen to be in it this year. And just because you happen to be in it this year doesn't mean you're going to be next year. they got five RFAs. One of them is Carter Hart. What are you doing with that? So, like, year to year, things change that drastically, and that's why you should never get off the path of the rebuild. They're not yet, but we'll see what they do at the deadline of the draft. That'll, you know, really tell things. But – have they changed their path? Yeah, because now they don't have a a number one center like on you know on the horizon. Yeah, and you mentioned you know the RFAs. You, last time you were on, you mentioned Travis Konechny. Is that a player that could potentially be moved as well from the Flyers' standpoint? Uh, depends who you talk to. If you talk to me, yes, <laughs> because I would trade them high and get the most value I can. Um, I you know. I've put the question out there, would you sign him to a five-year deal? And there are people that would. Not people in the organization, just, you know, other media, whatever. Uh, I wouldn't do it. I understand he's got talent. I understand he's only 30. I understand. But I also understand he gets hurt a lot. And I'm worried that he turns into Brendan Gallagher in three years of a five-year deal. And then so now Mitch Cobb's getting there and I'm losing Konechny. Like, why? And I still got to pay two more years. Like, why am I doing this? Why can't I just trade this guy when his value is super high now? That's what I would do because I want to be a playoff team for a lot of years, not just a team that surprises this year and maybe, you know, falls back to the pack next year. That's the difference sometimes in being able to do that is having the guts to do that. But do I think the Flyers are going to trade connecting? If you ask me now, I'm going to say no. But if they fall a certain amount out of it, then, then they might do it. So there's still a possibility. You look at teams in the playoffs around there, Toronto made headlines, William Nylander's new deal, eight years, $11.5 million AAV. Um, he knew what he was worth. He knew his value. He wasn't getting anything less than this. And what, do, what are your thoughts on the deal? Again, I I go back to last summer, and I'm True Living should have really tried to make a better negotiation because he could have saved a million a year at least. Yeah. Let him roll into this year and he had a career year. That's you lost on that negotiation. You did. Now, I know he tried to trade him and maybe the trade pieces weren't there. That's fine. But at some point, you got to look at that and say, all right, the market's not there to trade him. I'm going to have to sign him. And if that means I have to trade somebody else, then so be it. It's not like he's a bad player to have around. He's a really good player to have around. He's almost great at times. But I just think it wasn't handled exactly right from a front office perspective and they paid the price in the end, which is now like, you know, 11 and a half instead of like, if it was in the summer, I think it would have been like nine and a half, 10, you know, maybe slightly over 10. 
And now you're doing that over the duration of the deal. And that could be a difference of a player that maybe you need down the end or more money for a goalie. Right. So that's, that's where I kind of look at it. So now I think true living's in a tough spot. You know, some people are like, well, you know, trade Mitch Warner, but he has no move. So it's yeah. like, if he doesn't want to go, he ain't going. Right. Exactly. You know, so then there's not a lot. He's kind of like true living's almost backed himself into a corner with this, but I get it. You can't let Nylander walk without any assets coming your way either. So I knew in the summer they were signing Nylander. Like I knew it and I kept saying it on shows because I could see sort of the way that the market was and the way, like I said, he was kind of getting backed into a corner. So did Nylander take advantage of that? Absolutely. And that's what players should do. Like that, they should get what they're worth. Do you think, uh, how, how do you think this affects Elias Pettersson in, in Vancouver? He gets 12 million. <sighs> Wow. Yeah, I, I can see it because I mean, is, is, is William Nylander better than Elias Patterson? I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. I think he's really I mean, I think it's close, but he's not better. Well, and Patterson's already had a triple digit point season and he's on right. pace for another one. Right. So and he's RFA, so he's going to control a lot more now. But I, I think I think in that top line in Vancouver is playing I mean, really well. Vancouver, I just pay him the 12, 12 by eight now. And get it over with because at least in three years it won't look that bad with the cap keep going up the way it is. But if you wait on that and you bridge them or something, you're really going to get killed, and then it's going to be fire. Yeah, it is. Uh, speaking of the Canucks and and the Winnipeg Jets up in Canada, uh, those te- two teams are rolling right now. How impressed are you by both teams this year? Which team? Sorry, let's oh Winnipeg, Winnipeg, oh, and yeah. Vancouver. Yeah. So Winnipeg first. Um, I did pick them for the playoffs, but now. I never picked anybody for the conference final this year. I wouldn't go that far on Sirius because I kind of knew that as much as I said that I thought Edmonton would make the playoffs and that maybe they could get to the conference final, I wasn't convinced of it, and I'm not even convinced now. So I looked at, at Winnipeg, and now I still, the team that I see, uh, after all, you know, I think the signings were a big deal. I think that changed the locker room a lot. Bonus has a great effect on a locker room and fans. Uh Obviously, Hellebuck, one of the best goalies in the league. All of that, with the financial stuff out of the way, I don't want to blame it on Blake Wheeler, but he's out of the way. That changed things a little bit, I think. Um, So maybe that was a change that was necessary. They can make it to the conference final and beyond. They had that much talent. They kind of play a playoff style. They're deep on defense. You know, Cole Perfetti is healthy. So they got this extra scoring. Ehlers looks like Ehlers, you know, like he's not hurt either. So... Shifley, Shifley, he can match up against any center in the league. So they've got all those ingredients. Now, Vancouver is surprising me. So I didn't pick up for the playoffs because when does Vancouver ever have a completely healthy lineup? Like, when are all these guys like Besser and all of them ever in the lineup at the same time? They are. And so that's been impressive. You know, Quinn Hughes is, look, people could say they love Luke Hughes. That's fine. But Luke will never be Quinn. No. He's just not going to be. There's a difference there. There just is the difference in the brain and a little bit of difference, like in the offensive activation. Luke's terrific, but he's just not going to be Quinn. Um, so Quinn Hughes is almost on his own island, except for maybe Kale McCarr and his whole entire league, right? So you, you look at that, and then you say, "Wow, JT Miller." That I always go back to. I remember when he was, you know, drafted, and I know it's like out of something like Parma, Ohio, and I knew, you know, that he was a U.S. kid, and I'm like, you know, I see a good player here. I don't know if I see a player that's that good at the spot he's drafted at. Like I questioned it a little bit in my mind, but I never said anything publicly because you always want to see 
what a player can do. And, you know, after he gets traded and different things happened, you know, he, he credits Tortorella for kind of getting him on track. But I think Tockett has done even more with him, um, with the system that he's running. And so, yeah, JT Miller has now become a star in this league. And so even that contract, I was just like, is that a little bit too much? But it's not because he's really made a big difference there. So with the offensive firepower they have and the fact that they could make their defense a little better at the deadline, and I'm always a big Demko guy, uh, they could go far. But I still see them losing some games once in a while that make me wonder, and that's where the defense has to tighten up. You know, like like that Islander game, I knew they were going to beat the Islanders because they're yeah. just going to try to hold the score down. They're, I know they're playing a little more offensive hockey, but you can't play offensive hockey with Vancouver if you're the Islanders. You just can't match up. So unless Sorokin's getting a shutout or whoever was in that that night, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. Just, so there's certain matchups that are going to be favorable now for the Canucks. But when you get to the playoff style hockey, I do think they are going to need like some more help on the blue line. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I was impressed with them Saturday night. That top line yes. of Pedersen, Miller, Besser was yes. just rocking and rolling. Yeah. The, and Quinn Hughes is just so impressive to watch with the puck defensively. One, and one of the best defensemen in the league, if not the best. I think Cam McCarr's up there with him. Adam Fox, you could, that, that's the tier for me of like right. clubhouse leaders of like, okay, best defenseman. And then there's right. like, then there's the second tier. Yeah, then there's yeah, yeah, the second yeah. tier, guys. Um, you know, so Vancouver's been really impressive. Winnipeg, I love. The wild and crazy Metro, it's kind of everybody's coming kind of back to the pack now. Like the Rangers are real hot now. They've come back. Flyers are there, but it seems like everybody's bunched up and there's the Carolina Hurricanes just coming right back in. I know. Figuring it out with their goaltending and their offense and New Jersey's kicking around. How do you think this thing finishes out? I don't know because I think a lot of it depends on the New Jersey goaltending. They have as little idea of what they're doing with the goaltending as you and I do. Right, it's bad. <laughs> they don't know if it's, it's Nico Dawes. They don't know if it's Vanacek. They don't know. Like, they just no. don't know. Even getting li- you know, li- rid of Blackwood didn't make anything clearer. Not that he knows the answer either. Like, that's the whole thing. It's, it, it's almost like they haven't been able to nail down that right goaltender for years. Corey Crawford may have started that trend for them. And it was unfortunate the kind of way it worked out. But almost ever since Corey Crawford, they haven't been able to nail that down. If they can nail it down, they could go far. But, you you know, the one guy who I think is going to surprise people that might be out there is Marc-Andre Fleury. I, I'm looking at the tea leaves there, and I saw Jesper Walsh that got called up. I know that they like Gustafson. Fleury's already getting the game, so he's going to pass Patrick Waugh, right? So yeah. they can trade him. They can because he's not their number one, but he could be a number one, someone else, one last run. And, you know, maybe it is a team like the Devils. Maybe it's, you know, I don't know who else. I brought up Pittsburgh for fun one day. But I'm just saying maybe, you know, you don't know. And if you got Flurry in that situation, you, you know, he kind of knows like, you know, this is it. I got one more shot at this. You never know what you might get out of Marc-Andre Flurry. He's not an old man. No, he's not. And he's playing really well now, too since he's got like the, the quote unquote starters job back and we, yeah. and we know how well he can play and he's just adding to and that. By Hall old, I mean Dwayne Rollison old. He's not. Yeah. Dwayne yeah. Rolison. He's not Dwayne Rollison or, or um, uh, Mike Smith old, like we've seen right. in Edmonton, like where, you know, oh, Mike Smith's 41. He's still playing. He's right. the reason why Edmonton's there. No, no, no. no. Mark Andre Fleury can take teams to a Stanley Cup final. We've seen it. 
So I, I kind of wonder if they'll play that card. Yeah, I think so. I think that would be a great, um, I think that would be a great addition for New Jersey. I mean, again, I'm still questionable on Pittsburgh. Do they really have a goaltending? What are they going to do, Jake Getzel? I think Getzel ends no, up staying. The it right now is their guy today, and he's helping them in the standings. But yeah, I don't know if he's the guy. Yeah, I don't know if if Nedeljkovic is the guy either. I really don't know. And I but know he, that Sullivan likes Jerry a lot, and that's why he got that contract. He's going to still have to prove it again, right? So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't. I don't. But you know, maybe at some point there's a moment where Kyle Dubas looks at things and says, you know, I'm going to get Flurry for the one year patch. And because I know he he would want to play here, and I could talk to Bill Guerin, and maybe you know we get something done. It wouldn't shock me. No, it wouldn't shock me either. But again, it's been a crazy NHL season. So much parity, so many teams so close in the standings. It's it's really been fun, and you know we're getting close to that second half of that season. And hopefully, yeah. you know things stay uh, the way they are in terms. They're not going to stay games. the way they are. No, like I said there's. In the East, there's like six teams going after three spots. Yeah, it's gonna it's it's gonna be a fun fun ride uh, down the stretch here uh, in the National Hockey League season. But uh, this has been another edition of the Full Press NHL Podcast. I've been your host Jim Berenger. I want to thank Russ Cohen for coming on again. Get him Sportsology, uh, Sirius XM NHL Network Radio, Full Press Hockey, Locked On Flyers, NHL Draft Buzz. Uh, get this iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks again, Russ, for doing this. Anytime, Jim. The boys are